0: Uh, anyway, well, Dave says he feels like he's living the book of Job. And so, um, one of my goals, you know, this is called the foundation class. And uh, we, we want to have Jesus Christ as our foundation. And uh, so, if nothing else, hopefully we can all just have a little more. Grit, a little more substance to our walk with the Lord that we can endure and we can be victorious in the face of opposition. Th- this week, one of the things I was reading, well, was a hard-to-describe one, isn't it? He said if he had to summarize the book of Job, it would be a blessing through suffering. And I wanted to just kind of emphasize that. <laughs> Because if you think about it, the—I uh, gave you a quote at the top of your handout there. It says, "Our real blessing often appear—should be appears—to us in the shape of pains, losses, and disappointments." And I don't know who that guy is. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's a Christian, but I thought it was a pretty uh, wise statement. And uh, but this, this blessing through suffering. Uh, I mean, I often think of like uh, an Olympic athlete. I mean, he, he might train four years for you know a one or two or you know minute race or something. He, so uh, you know, hopefully that pays off for those athletes. And so hopefully, uh, anyway, hopefully just today's lesson, as well as all of our study of the Book of Job, will help us. To be uh, patient, so you know, Job 5:11 talks about you he have heard of the patience of Job, but he had to learn patience through his tribulation. That's the Bible says that uh, tribulation worketh patience, and so we should be able to count it all joy when we fa- fall into diverse, uh, diverse temptations. And so uh, today, uh, I wanted to give us an illustration. Uh, Some of you know my dad, uh, uh, I kind of got a verse from my dad, you'll think it's a weird verse. If you'll turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 11, before we get into Job. Uh, So my dad has been kind of a grain dealer for the last however many years, uh, just buying and selling grain. And so here in, and you'll think this is a weird verse, uh, Proverbs 11 and it's verse uh, 26. And Emma, you're you're a farmer. I'll let you read that if you would. 11:26 of Proverbs. It's all right. And I'll draw another picture here. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, so this blessing and cursing about uh, who, who, the person that sells corn, it sounds like a weird verse, and and I, I've really thought a lot about this, and one, one time I was reading it, and uh, now read verse 1 uh, of that same chapter, Emmett, Proverbs 11. And so th- that verse in 26 about selling and buying corn, I, I believe it's connected to this, this thing of balance, a just balance, because uh, basically what you would do is if I wanted to buy a, a bushel of corn from you know, a farmer, you know, he would he would, put a, he would put a bushel of corn on this side of the balance, and then he would you know pour into this side until the 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 scales are even right and so uh, it it would be a curse if if this guy had like a lead weight in the bottom i don't know if you guys heard about that this week there was a uh, this was a national news that uh, these professional fishermen like two weeks ago had won this tournament and they, they won a $100,000 uh, uh, prize for winning. And the very next week they won another tournament and uh, after the people gave them their check for that, they said, we want you guys to hang around and they cut open their fish and they found lead weights in their fish. So their 10 fish weighed more than these people's 10 fish because they had lead in them they were cheating and they're looking at 11 years i think it's 11 years they got for uh, in prison because it was some kind of fraud scandal of so i think that's what the proverbs eleven twenty six is about is the guy that swindles you and you know you buy a handful less than a bushel you get a curse for that because god honors this just weight and this fair balance I, what are you thinking? hmm Yeah. hmm Yeah, and that is a good application, Pam, and that kind of goes back to Joseph and being able to uh, help keep the nation... Of Israel alive through that famine, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 he did, yeah, he saved it up for those seven years, yeah, yeah. But uh, my, my point is just it's kind of in context of this just and fair balance. So so talk, think, think, thinking about this, now let's go to the book of Job, chapter 6. Uh, so turn back a couple books because Job makes mention of this balance thing. And so Job 6. And uh, Pam, would you, would you read verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6? that's all right well it, it starts out there uh, about this balances and he, he uh you know in chapters four and five eliphaz has been you know kind of accusing Job of secret sin and you know if you were righteous none of this would be happening to you and if it was you or i we would probably have a, a quick comeback for eliphaz here but Uh, I don't know if if you ever thought about this, but but, uh, when you're in grief, it's kind of like nothing else matters almost. It's like uh, his grief is so heavy, he's not even going to argue with the life. He's just going to say that uh, if they put all the sand of the sea on one side of the balance, my grief would be heavier than that. And so he just really makes this really why he really... uh, I mean, it's really wiser when people say things like that, like, oh, they use this illustration that really just fits perfectly with how he's feeling. And uh, he just says that uh, his words are swallowed up. And then he talks about these uh, I, I think on your handout, I If you think about uh, suffering in the Bible, I listed out some of the suffering of Paul. I mean, remember Paul says that he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was all these things, and so uh, you know nobody other than Christ could probably compare to Job's suffering. But uh, but but then he mentions these arrows of the Almighty, and uh, I think. I think he uses the word Almighty down in verse 14 also. To him that is afflicted, pity should be shown from his friends. But he that forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. So this Almighty come. This is one of the reasons uh, we believe that Job is uh, the oldest book in the Bible. Is just his use of even uh, calling God Almighty. That that's uh, what Abraham call him. We'll, we'll look at that here in a minute, but th- think about these arrows for a minute, and I gave you a couple cross-references. L- let's look at the uh, Psalm 38.2. I like I like the Psalm 127. It talks about children are like uh, arrows in the hand of a mighty man, but Job 38.2, or I'm sorry, Psalm 38.2. It's not Job. It's Psalm thirty-eight. And I'll have you read uh, blend of these two in Psalm, if you would, the uh, thirty-eight two, and then we'll go to one forty-four. Yeah, so he—that's where David is crying out to the Lord, and he feels like God is is wounding him. Go, go to one forty-four now, Psalm, Psalm one forty-four six. Yeah, so now the psalmist is actually saying God shoot your arrows at my enemy destroy him and so he's calling forth God's wrath on others here and so the, uh, you know Job feels like God's arrows are wounding him and uh, even Satan has kind of a counterfeit we'll all recognize this in the New Testament the Ephesians 6 Let's all look at that uh, in our New Testament, Ephesians six. Here in the uh, talking about the armor of God, you'll recognize this. Uh, who's got that? Big, big Dave. You want to read uh, Ephesians six sixteen? Sure. so the, the it's not called arrows here but it's fiery darts and so it's something very very similar to the arrows but uh you know the thing i was reading just uh some, some of you maybe remember th- this kind of really resonated with me there was a guy that uh was a professional football player. I think he was for the the Denver Broncos. I think it was Steelman. But during the... I think it was during the Gulf War, he he left his professional football career. And and he was like an Army Ranger or Green Beret, Special Forces type of guy. And he was killed in battle. And uh, later they announced that it was uh, friendly fire, that his, his own... His own people killed him. I just, it just seemed very tragic. This, you know, super athlete, well disciplined, you know, fighting, and uh, so kind of, kind of the thing I was reading here. Job is like God. Your, your, your arrows are. I got so much grief and sorrow, and uh, and really, I mean, uh, my my teaching point there is that uh, God is. The attack is from Satan, but God is allowing it, so just the word allowing is what I had you put in your blank, Uh, so I shouldn't try and figure out where the arrows are coming from as much as I should trust God with whatever comes my way, and I I thought that was uh, pretty well said. I know I didn't give you your first blank yet, did I? Um, so in, in verses 5 and 6 so let's, go, let's go back to Job I just took a little sidetrack there about arrows and these fiery darts so let, let's go back to Job 6 and what Pam read for us in the verses 5 and 6 are kind of what we would call rhetor- rhetorical questions you know doth the wild ass brave when he hath grass it's I guess the wild ass would only be hollering out if he was hungry, but if he's got grass, he wouldn't be lowing, braying, or or loweth the ox over his fodder. No, the ox is just going to sit there and eat. He's not going to be hollering out for more food, or can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? it's like no if, if you eat just the white of an egg you need some salt with it or it really doesn't have any taste so these are kind of rhetorical questions no, 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 no and he says the things that my soul refuses to touch are as my sorrowful meat and so he's uh, this is what he's being forced to eat he, he doesn't have a choice in it <clears throat> is this sorrow and so he uses the word soul there and a lot of times soul in the Old Testament is a little bit different and, and I have heard of people saying that your soul is attached to your flesh more and in the New Testament when you get saved we're we're sealed uh, by the and so God uses the word of God to to seal our soul into the day of redemption so it's cut apart Uh but uh, e- either way, uh, we, we say that our soul is uh, the place of our mind, will, and emotions. Where we, and, and my my point here is that even in this, it says my soul refuses. So the soul is making decisions or choices. So choices is what within your first blank. <clears throat> So it, it's kind of your soul is kind of your control center it's it's uh, biblically it's who you are it's it's not uh, how we look it's uh, who, your mind your will and your emotions so it's it makes decisions it has your will your your volition and uh, your emotion it's, it's it's how you're how you feel your mind your will and emotions and uh, I Anyway, I, I don't know if there's any other thoughts there about this first set of, section here, this verses 1-7. through seven. Any, any thoughts? Or... I think it's really, you know, he's, he's really talking about the Almighty. Yeah. He's still in the reverence of God. He's not blaming God. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying, man, I'm suffering. God's going to follow me. He's coming to me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's good. There's a verse in uh, psalm that I, I think of a lot about, really about Eli, about all these guys. It, it talks about the wicked. It says, God is not in all their thoughts. And I feel like with the... I mean, they're all... Job especially, God is in his thoughts. He's not there's not wickedness in there. But the, the wicked God is not in, in all their thoughts. But uh, so so now this next section he does talk about friends and so he, he doesn't immediately talk about friends. He's just so heavy with this grief. But let, let's read some from this next section. Uh Pat, would you read 8 and 9, uh, Job 6, 8 and 9? Yeah, do you, do you remember in chapter 3 what he was really hoping for? Yeah, he, he really was, you know, cursing the day he was born. He was like, basically, I'm better off dead. And uh, I think we've all said things we, we don't mean in the, in the heat of the moment or whatever. Uh, it was really good for me to witness this firsthand kind of this week. Uh, so probably two weeks ago one of my co-workers put in for a job that would put him over another one of my co-workers and and my, my co-worker that I work closely with he went to our boss and said if this guy gets the job I won't work for him and I kind of cringe I cringed. I'm like well I, and I told him I said that's pretty bold to say that. You, you went to your boss and said, if your co-worker gets to be your boss, you won't work for him. Uh, but he uh, is a professing Christian, and, and this week he went to his boss and said, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't really mean it, and uh, you know, if, if he gets the job, then I will work for him. So, so we all kind of say things, anyway, that was just kind of fit with today's lesson, because Job is just saying that Pat read there that God would give me what I grant me what I requested. Like I'm longing for death, <clears throat> but then, but then it says he, that He would loose His hand, and it's neat to see. So we talked about God's arrows and and talk talk about His hand here for a minute. Uh, turn back to Job one. <clears throat> Job one and Job two says some things about God's hand, and I kind of, my ears kind of perk up when I see this in the Bible, even uh, a lot of times in Isaiah, God will say, you know, I'm going to destroy the enemy with my outstretched arm, and he'll say outstretched arm a lot, and then sometimes he'll say, well, I'll protect you with my outstretched arm, and anyway, I I don't know, uh, I just kind of marvel at all this a little bit. But in Job 1:11, it says, uh, "The devil says this; the devil's talking to God. Uh, but put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face." And then in verse verse 12, and the Lord said unto Satan, "Behold, all that he hath is in thy power." Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So the devil says, God, if you'll put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, you know, Job will curse you. And then God turned around and says, Satan, uh, everything he has is in your power. Only uh, don't put your hand upon him himself. And uh, so so the devil was allowed to take all that he hath. And and then if you go to chapter 2 and verse 4 through 6, it's kind of the same thing. This is kind of God interviewing Satan again here. Uh, Job 2, 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. And so this this thing about God's hand and Satan's hand. It has to do with their, their power, it said. And then uh, jump over to 13, Job 13. We'll look at one more place. 1321. Uh, and I think this is Job talking again. It says, Withdraw thine hand far from me and let not thy dread make me afraid. So again, it's kind of talking like God's arrows or his hand is heavy on him and uh, he is suffering because of it. Anyway, I just think it's really interesting just how it kind of personifies the Lord that he has hands. The Bible talks about him having eyes and that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and so uh, all of this is very uh, descriptive. And you know, we, we need to take the Bible literally until it's impossible to not to do that. And so, uh, God has hands, and He has uh, feet, and the, the the earth is His footstool. So all these things are not just beautiful language, uh, although it is beautiful language. It's also true yeah like a like an eagle yeah and yeah 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 there's things like that and so yeah maybe so very very interesting so, well, uh, later Job is glad that, of course, that the Lord did not destroy him. He, he gets a double blessing in the end. And so, again, he's, he's learning patience here. He's uh, talking through. And, and I think, you know, I talked to another, this is a, another co-worker of mine this week, and he got married several months back, and I just asked him how his marriage is going, and he said, "Well, I thought it was going okay till a couple weeks ago, and and now we're getting a divorce." And he was married for seven months. And uh, and I just I just said I would I would pray for him, but anyway, I I think I mean I I feel like that is kind of typical. Uh, you know, we, we kind of live in an instant gratification society. I just feel like you know you should get some counsel you should work through this and talk through this you know you're, you're married god put you together and anyway uh we're just kind of quick and easy to get mad and throw away everything you know so i just really admire job for talking through all this and you you know there's heated emotions there's anger there's sorrow there's all these horrible things and uh, yet he doesn't deny the lord he he doesn't Throw in the towel. Uh, he feels like God's arrows are in him, and God's hand is uh, causing him sorrow and all these things. Uh, but again, look, look here at verse ten, Job 6:10. <clears throat> Let's see. Just a second here. I'm trying to see the word that I want to. I'm in Job three. No wonder I can't find it. <laughs> I turned the page, for we back. There. Okay, so it, it is uh, verse ten. Uh, who wants Jim? You want to read that? Yeah. So he feels like. If he could just die, he would be in comfort. Uh, but he says he's not concealed the words of the Holy One. and uh, So that that's what I had you put in your blank there, just the word words. I mean, this is... Uh, this is before they had a Bible, before they had the written word, and yet... Uh, Job professes that he hasn't concealed the words of the Holy One. And so, again, it, it's this uh, love for the Lord and relationship with, with God, this Holy One, this Almighty. <clears throat> and... Uh, One of the things that uh, I was reading, it's good to kind of compare the New Testament uh, because, you know, he's wishing for death and the thing that we can glean from that is that we need to die daily, don't we? And that uh, we are alive in Christ and our flesh is crucified and And all all these New Testament, and that we are dead indeed unto sin. And so there is, uh, I think that is the devotional application of these verses. Because when we are walking in the Spirit, we are comforted, aren't we? And we do have joy in the midst of our sorrow when we do walk in the Spirit. Amen? And so these are things that Job maybe didn't have. The sealing of the Holy Spirit uh, hadn't come, but he does have the words, and he's holding fast to his integrity. And so he is uh, not not hopeless. He but but in verse eleven through thirteen, uh, who wants to read that? Uh, Sherry, would you read eleven through thirteen for us? <laughs> you can do it. So th- these are a little bit uh, futile questions. He, he, he has no hope, and he's like, what is mine end that I should I mean I'm better off dead <clears throat> is is my strength the strength of stone no no it's not or my flesh as brass no you, your flesh don't have any strength and he feels like you know you don't even have any wisdom to to draw from so these are he is feeling hopeless here <clears throat> And then at verse 14, he kind of addresses Eliaphaz. He says, to him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend. And uh, you know, his friend just told him in verse 17 of the previous chapter, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. And uh <coughs> You know that that would be pretty hard to hear when you're being afflicted or you're being corrected. It'd be hard for your, huh? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it, then he says, "But he that forsake, forsaketh the fear of the Almighty." So that's kind of a little bit of a jab against his friend, uh, that almost saying his friend has forsaken the Almighty. Hold your place there and turn back to Genesis 17. Let's look at that one. Genesis 17.1. I don't know if I looked this one up. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Angie, you want to read 17.1 for us? So there it it calls God the Almighty. I am the Almighty God. So Almighty is what I had you put in your next blank. And I think the like the scholarly word is uh, omnipotent, isn't it? All powerful. He's Almighty. God is you know, he says that I think to uh, Sarah, and maybe one other time in the prophets, that is there anything too hard for me? Well, no. He he's Almighty. He is uh, omnipotent. He's all powerful, right? And so, uh, the thing I was looking at said that this 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 is the Hebrew word for El Shaddai. We might have heard of that uh, term it's used three times in Genesis but it's used 31 times in Job I oh, thought that was kind of interesting so it kind of connects Job with the language for God Almighty uh, in the book of Genesis and so it helps us to date uh, the book a little bit Excuse me. any other thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So what we say is that the Bible is not written chronologically like we would maybe do, but it's written dispensationally. So the thing that Genesis talks about did come before Job because it talks about creation and uh, but uh, Job himself is probably contemporary with like Abraham's uh, children, uh, Isaac and uh uh, even Jacob and Esau so he he was kind of contemporary with with those uh, even his lifespan kind of matches up matches up he li- he lives to be over 200 years old so so even there's long life then <clears throat> and so on the on the back page of your handout uh, my, my next teaching point is about friends here we should all rethink Proverbs 18.24 <clears throat> a man that hath friends must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and we, we believe that to be uh, prophecy about Jesus Christ he is uh, you know, he, he says he no longer calls his disciples servants but he calls them his friends and so Jesus is that friend that sticketh closer to the brother. I had a guy tell me, and I'll see what you guys think of this. I don't think of it like that, but uh, he said when he reads that verse that a man that has friends must show himself friendly, uh, he, he uses that to kind of limit how many friends he has because the ones he has, he, he really tries to befriend them. He said, you must show yourself friendly if you want friends, and that's true, but uh, he kind of limits how many people he's really friendly to, just because it's I don't know if it's too much effort or Yeah. (coughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah But yeah, it is exhausting to try to be friends with everybody, but yeah yeah now the a friend is christ but a man who hath friends plural he must show himself so anyway we we should be friendly to everyone i'm not saying we shouldn't be but <coughs> <coughs> mm. right right Mm, mm, mm. No, and that's why I, I agree with you, brother. When <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're going to have to uh, edit, edit our live stream here. <laughs> All right. We're, we're, we're going to stop and pray for you right now. <laughs> okay. Uh mm-hmm. yeah well and there are personality differences and so maybe you're drawn more to other you know one person more than another but uh, yeah at the end of the day Christ loves them just like he loves you and <coughs> yeah 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 well, so yeah, these are real live examples for you, uh, Belinda. And So yeah, it's good for us to talk about these, even though we're kind of laughing. We can all maybe put names and faces with people we'd rather not be close to. But um, anyway, hopefully we leave room for God to change us in the process. And, and like you are saying, Pam, uh, <clears throat> you know, you pray for somebody that maybe you don't necessarily like and they get saved. I mean, God, I, I remember... Uh, and, and uh, this guy uh, was my friend. Um, I don't want to give away too much. but so, so I worked with a guy and he, he got saved. He truly got saved. He started going to church with us. And he was an athlete. And uh, at lunchtime, people at our, our job would uh, play basketball. At lunchtime, we had a we had a basketball court at our at our work. But uh, then after the basketball, you know, if you take a shower and eat, you know, you can't only play basketball, eat, and shower in an hour. So some of our other workers were complaining that you know this guy is not getting back to work, and he you know he's abusing his. And uh, I really started praying for him because I knew people were talking bad about him, but he's a new Christian and uh, honestly over time he became one of our hardest workers and he, he, he became blameless over time and so it just kind of took care of itself and so maybe what you're talking about will take care of itself as well that uh, they will mature and they will grow and so we don't want to pigeonhole anybody to you know always be in the same uh, and, and hopefully you know I, I grow as a pastor and, and I learn and I mature too so don't, don't pigeonhole me either if I'm <clears throat> because I don't always uh, do and, uh, do right uh, my, myself. So right, right. So that that's the key. Just keep back, keep getting up again. As long as we're all following the Lord, uh, <clears throat> we will grow into that unity of of Christ. Uh, look at verses 15 through 18. We're back in Job six. Fifteenth or eighteen, and Emma, we're back to you. If you want to read those for us, or I skipped Suzanne. Sorry, Suzanne, can you read those? Let's see. Uh, one more now, now not so much here but uh you've probably driven through arizona uh, i know we did and they have what they call flash flooding and that's what this deceitful brook is like. It's like streams that, you know, when it rains, uh, the ground's hard and it's flat and there's a lot of runoff, but, you know, two days later, it's dry again. And and that's kind of what he's saying, that there's brother, his, his brothers, his friends are like that. <clears throat> they, they showed themselves friendly, but now hard times are here. And where are they? You're not really being my friends. And, and verse 16 even talks about ice and snow and you know even here uh, uh, snow looks as pretty as it does but if you got cattle or you know when the snow kind of melts uh, it just looks so dirty and muddy and uh, so I think that's kind of what I'm talking about here it's like man my, my friends look like white as snow and after they're they're not my friends really they're now it, it's it's dirty and Uh, Anyway, that's kind of my point there at the top of your back page. They're flash flood friends. They come quickly and leave quickly uh, like remnants of snow. And then in verses 19 and 20, he gives this example of these Temanites that they're like looking for water in Sheba and they don't find any. And so it's kind of like this uh, three and a half year drought in the tribulation. So Job is, uh, in the 19 and 20, he's looking for friends. In fact, uh, Emma, would you go ahead and read 19 and 20 for us? So this is a little bit of commentary about the land of Uz where they lived it's these troops of Timah. <clears throat> they were confounded uh, they had hoped uh, to find water there and they did not and so they they were ashamed they, they so he's saying that that's like the, uh, Job looking for friends and verse 21 Pam uh, why don't you read that yeah so he <clears throat> that uh, they, they were no help for him in his time of, of, of need and so again just that teaching point a man that hath friends must show himself friendly and so we, we all need to be a friend like Jesus Christ and stick close to our brothers and sisters so so, so let's look at this last section we got 15 minutes here And uh, Pam already read verse 22. uh, Pam, read 23 as well. So this is kind of talking about Job's uh, independence. He really doesn't ask his friends for help or protection. and, And what he needs is some understanding. And that's what he says in verse 24. Uh, teach me and i will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein i have erred so he he is asking for understanding is uh in verse 22 that pam read did i say bring into me he's like i'm not asking you to bring me anything or give a reward for me of your seven, you know I don't, i'm not i don't need to borrow any of your animals or uh, your servants I'm asking. I'm not asking you to deliver me from uh, the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of, of he still thinks, uh, uh, I don't know if he's talking about the mighty uh, of God or the, the Babylonians or uh, uh, Sabaeans that had robbed from him, but he, he is asking, verse 24, just to, to teach me. And, and if I have erred, I will own it. <clears throat> and then uh, 24 and 25, Belinda, if you'll read those for us. Yeah, so he, a- he is asking uh, for understanding. <clears throat> To teach me where I've erred, and uh, he says that right words are forcible, and that's—I kind of have to just really marvel at that. Uh, I mean, that—that that is how the Word of God is. And when, when we say right words, it—if uh, it, you know, if you've got a good heart, if if you are desiring the Lord, and you hear right words, it, it kind of—it's like, doggone it, yeah, I need to do that. You know, when we hear the preaching on Sunday morning or uh, maybe even sitting in here, you hear something like, you know what, I I do need to be a better friend. If your heart is to serve the Lord and you hear God say something to you, then uh, it, it kind of forces you in your spirit, doesn't it? It's very forcible. <clears throat> so, you know what Paul says <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians 5, he says uh, that the Lord. Uh, oh, I, I got. I get. You got to see this word. Uh, look at Second Corinthians five. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, yeah yeah so in chapter 5 yeah here's the word so 2 Corinthians 5 14 says 2 Corinthians 5 14 for the love of Christ constraineth us think about this word whenever I heard a guy preach this he, he said when he sees this word constraineth he pictures a policeman having the suspect over the hood of a car with his arm behind his back. It's like that policeman is constraining that criminal. And he says he he says he feels like the love of Christ is constraining him. It's like God is forcing me to do right. Or you know I just I just thought that was just a cool. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be yeah, you're restrained. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, restrain the whole Okay. But anyway, this this word forcible made me think of that word constraineth. The the love of Christ constri- he, he wants us to do right and he, he's pricking our heart. He he is a gentleman in the sense that he doesn't actually force us it's our own will but uh we we know the yeah yeah we we know what it's like to resist or disobey the lord and so we would rather obey him uh, as difficult as as it may be so yeah so let's go back to job now verse 26 And uh, Dave, would you read uh, 26 of chapter six of Job? Hmm. <clears throat> so he—that goes back to your comment, Belinda, about uh, uh, the father. You know, he's lost his children. I guess he's. The father, but you <clears throat> don't have any children, and he says that uh, you dig a pit for your friend, and that's that's not what people do. And uh, so Job is desperate here. Uh, on your handout, I put good counseling principle. You know, I don't know if I, uh, <clears throat> I. I read the wrong verse there. There we go speeches of one that is desperate which are as the wind so again he, he's saying uh, you know don't don't hold people till their word in time of tragedy so wishing you were dead is not the same as putting a gun to your head right so he said something he didn't mean and so he, do you imagine uh, to reprove words and the speeches of one that is desperate so Job Job is desperate here in verse 27, he's overwhelmed. It says, yea, ye overwhelm the fathers, and ye dig a pit for your friend. <clears throat> so he's desperate, he's overwhelmed. And so friendship is not digging a, a pit for your friend to fall into. And Proverbs talks about that, just pushing a stone and having it come back on you. Uh, now this next word here, uh, 28 through 30, uh, Pat, would you read those last three verses? so there's righteous so I don't know if you saw that there the Pat read in verse 29 he says my righteousness is in it and uh <clears throat> So Job brings up this, really this is the issue that his friend Eliphaz talked about that is relevant. He, he says you're not really good friends, you're like flash flood friends you, you, you came and you left, you're like this Timonites looking for water and they don't find any. But he, he says uh, uh, he does bring up this subject of my righteousness is in it so th- this is what I had you put in your, in your first blank, uh, the word righteous, is his righteousness. Uh, yeah, nus is on there. And I, I wanted us to kind of, this be the last thing we talk about here, just righteous, unrighteous, or self-righteous. And, and, and this is what I had you put in your last blank, is just the word self. Because, uh, I mean, this is really a whole study. Righteous is how God acts, isn't it? So this is uh, how God acts. <clears throat> and, and this is how lost people act. And this, uh, the last few verses of Romans chapter 1, it talks about 22 different deeds of unrighteousness. So uh, this is how the lost acts, uh, and this is how we act. Uh, when we're trying to act like God how we act like God so, so sometimes and, and honestly this person can be lost or saved I, I know before I was saved I was, I was pretty self-righteous I thought I was okay I went to church I, I did some good things right yeah I'm a good guy I never hurt anybody yeah, so, so this this one is the confusing one. This is the Laodicean person. It could be lost. It could be saved. We're, we're, we could be lost. Uh, we're not maybe completely acting unrighteous, but we can act self-righteous, and it is it is sinful. And uh, the, the thing that I was reading that, uh, you know, we, we've commented several times how Job is being persecuted he's he's like the nation of israel in the tribulation period but think think about israel right now and and i i printed these verses for you on your handout let's read these verses from romans 10 because paul says this about israel's present condition he says brethren my heart's desire and prayer to god for israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. So they're zealous of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so I just thought that was a good way to Maybe conclude here today. Just uh, thinking about that, that uh, Job again pictures for us. Th- this is kind of the first indication that he is uh, self-righteous. <clears throat> maybe depending on his own integrity, he's he's mentioned that a time or two. And uh, so he's he's really digging deep here, isn't he, guys? He's. I mean, uh, his his friends are trying to accuse him of secret sin, and he's made it well known that there is no secret sin but but now he's kind of bringing this out uh, himself a little bit (coughs) that his own uh uh, my righteousness he says (coughs) uh and any other thoughts there as, as we close today he is our yeah that's a good good verse there too yep that's a good word anything else well uh, i hope hope we can kind of go out uh, and pass out invitations to the harvest party uh pat do you have any instructions for us there uh we we are going to have some pizza here at the end of service and if we can go as a group uh, I'm going to try to go to the uh, Thunderbird Apartments <clears throat> we had pretty good luck there this spring before Easter I think it was we just had a lot of really good conversations and I think it kind of rained out I think whatever we were doing and so we didn't is anybody else going out besides me? Do you know that you're going out after church? I know Pat is. Okay in email. Okay. Yeah, you are if you
1: well,
0: it, it's always uh, a good outreach. And so if you can, uh, at least take some flyers. I know Angie talked about grabbing a handful and distributing to our neighbors. And so uh, however you can do it. But uh, Pat, are you gonna try to go to Thunderbird too? Uh, Or wherever? Okay. 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 All right. Let's uh, let's pray. We'll be closed. We're out of time here today. And uh, glad you're here. We'll hit uh, Job 7 next week. So let's pray. We'll just be dismissed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.